0: Welcome to the Resilient Joy Podcast. I'm your host, Danae Peterson. I'm so glad you're here, and I hope you can find value in what I bring to you here on the podcast. I'm here to teach you to release perfectionism, conquer anxiety and depression, and build confidence and resilience habits so you can handle all of life's ups and downs. So what do you say? Let's get started. Okay, so today I want to talk to you guys um, about... (laughs) some realizations that I've had again in therapy plug for therapy um quick plug for therapy if you have never done therapy before and you've experienced any kind of trauma in your life it is extremely beneficial um I am doing EMDR therapy uh so I've been doing that um since a little bit earlier this year and it has been very beneficial um it's kind of just given me a lot of light bulb kinds of moments and things like that so I have been really grateful to be able to do that um So if you can, I highly suggest therapy or life coaching. If you can't do that, then obviously listening to some really good podcasts from mental health professionals could be a really good avenue, uh, as well as awesome life coaches who are there to help and who have a ton of content out there. But I digress. So I was reading a book the other day to Melody, and I'm going to talk to you guys a little bit about this book, uh, because it was a book called There's a Monster in My Book. And in this book, maybe you've seen it with your, if you have kids, um, it's a Halloween book about, you know, there's a monster in the book and he's a super cute little monster, right? But you know, he's in the book and we don't really want him in the book because, um, monsters are scary. We don't really want them in the book. So we're trying to get the monster out of the book. And the whole book is about how to get the monster out of the book. You tickle the monster's feet, you blow on him, you shake the book and you wiggle it this way. And you do all these different things throughout the course of the book. As you turn each page so that you can uh, get the monster out of the book, right? And so you're getting the monster out of the book. And by the end of the book, you finally, you finally scare the monster out of the book by making a loud noise. And once he's out of the book, the, uh, the author of the book basically goes and, and explains there's, <laughs> there's a little bit of a problem because you've scared him with a loud noise and he crawled out of the book and he runs into your room. Now there's a little bit of a problem. Now the monster is no longer in your book. He is in your bedroom and in your bedroom, he can actually, you know, he's a little more scary and potentially risky. Um, that's a, it's a more risky place for him to be than just in your book, right? So your job then is to coax the monster back into the book because that's actually the best place for him, despite what you originally thought in the book safe in the book instead of in your room he actually can't do as much damage to your room he can't cause as many problems Uh, he can't really scare you as much okay I have a point so I promise I'll get there Uh, now just to switch gears let's talk about the fifth Harry Potter book right so if you're familiar with Harry Potter I talk about this almost every episode um, but in the fifth Harry Potter book we are introduced to Creature and he is the black family house elf So for the duration of book five, Creature is actually despised by Sirius, um, by the majority of the order. He's this kind of vile looking, very, I mean, his, his name describes him perfectly, Creature. He is a, he is a very, very icky feeling kind of a house elf. He is exactly the opposite of Dobby in the worst possible ways, right? And, um, he is, really basically just despised and even uh, abused verbally and sometimes physically by Sirius and other other wizards and people who have come from the order to Grimald Place right so this the result of this treatment by the end of the book is that creature eventually betrays Sirius in as many ways as he possibly can to the death eaters and to Voldemort um, and they send Sirius to his death at the department of mysteries by the end of book 5 this was terrible, right? We don't, we don't like that that happened, but if we're, if we're completely, you know, honest about it, like Sirius kind of brought it on himself because of the way that he treated Creature. Um, he had an opportunity to create, to, to treat him better, but he had difficulty doing that. Um, not to say that Creature still couldn't have been independent and made his own choices, but here's, here's what happens though, is that by the end of book seven, something changes. Harry, Ron, and Hermione uh, actually learn that Creature was involved in helping R.A.B. or Regulus Black to try to bring down Voldemort by destroying Horcruxes. They learn his biggest failure as a house elf, he feels, was failing to destroy the Horcrux locket. And so they start to recognize really just the the crazy um, journey that Creature has been on and how much uh, emotional and, you know, emotional and verbal abuse he suffered at the hands of of both sides of his family right there's the bellatrix side where there's the death eaters who are trying to convince him to betray information and and then you've got the Sirius side where he was you know just a, an icky reminder of the house that Sirius grew up in that he didn't like uh, but they start to make space for him and they make space for him as a member of the group to help defeat voldemort to destroy this locket that he never was able to do alone and Creature is no longer avoided and a hurtful reminder of Sirius dying. He's actually just someone that they act, they include in their plans. So once they've actually made space for him and they've seen him for who he is, his true motives, his loyalty, Creature changes. He stops trying to undermine the plans. He becomes an entirely different house elf, intent on serving his master Harry with as much love and loyalty as he did Regulus. So, um, or Regulus. So in, in short, he did a lot less damage, when he was acknowledged than when he was ignored. So I'm going to draw the parallel here between the little monster and emotions because, um, I feel like so much healing for me has happened in learning to process my emotions and learning to acknowledge that my emotions have a space. Um, so let's just take the emotion and the feeling of anxiety and fear, right? Because I'm coming up on my scans for myself um, and those scans are not typically very fun. There's a waiting game and there's just a lot of unknown that kind of crops back up again. There's all the reminders that, um, you know, these scans could could reveal that there is a cancer spread. And if there is, then it could it could mean that I don't have much longer. Um, there's a lot of uncomfortable realities right around that anxiety that has to do with this circumstance now this happens for me every three months i know it like it is a part of my medical plan it is something that i i mean i technically i could say i I have a choice i could i could avoid the scans um but it wouldn't be it wouldn't be ideal from a medical standpoint for me to not be monitored uh, by these kinds of mri scans no matter how uncomfortable the circumstance of you know waiting is for me so I was talking to my therapist though and I was just saying how I was just realizing that like over the course of this last year plus that I've had MRIs every three months and this fear and anxiety pops up again every single time that I've had some phases of time where I have tried everything I could to just get it out of my system right to just like i want to get it out i want to get it off i want to you know not think about it i just want to avoid it i don't i don't want to make space for it i barely want to even acknowledge that it's there i just want it to like move on and be done and so there's there's this like urgency to get to the scans because once i get to the scans then it means that i can be done with the waiting i can be done with the anxiety and i'll be able to just move on and i won't feel it anymore The problem is that because I'm avoiding just making space for those feelings, they're actually doing more damage, right? They're doing more damage for me mentally and emotionally. Um, They were doing a lot more damage for me um, just in my, like in my ability to sleep in my ability to think, um, to think straight. And so the conclusion that I came to in my last therapy session was just this idea that like you know, what if it wasn't a bad thing, right? What if it wasn't a monster? What if I could just say, you know, like anxiety, like, (laughs) this is just my little friend that comes to visit every three months. And so I'm going to plan, I'm going to plan for him to visit me every three months, or whenever I know that this anxiety ridden circumstance is going to come up, right? I'm going to plan for him to visit me every three months. And I'm going to have a room, I'll have a room ready for him, right, where I know he can stay. And that room is where that's his space he gets to have space there for the time that he needs it and then once he's done he'll be able to move out and leave and I will be fine I will have a house guest for a little while that I maybe don't love but I can tolerate and I can I again make space for it and so making space for for these feelings for these emotions could look like you know making sure that I'm having those therapy sessions when I know that these are a lead up it could look like making some extra time for journaling and just writing out my feelings and my worries and my fears um, and just getting, getting that out on paper. It could look like some open, vulnerable conversations with some friends that I really trust and that I love and just sharing with them like, Hey, I am feeling really, really anxious about this. I'm really scared. And just basically naming it and saying it, um, holding space for it. Right. And so I guess that's my my encouragement for you guys today is that if you are struggling with some difficult emotions or some things that you have going on in your life that you know come around frequently, um, especially you know, like something like this, like where you you have this kind of predictable trigger in your life that you know it's coming, then, Instead of resisting it and instead of trying to wish it would go away and wish it were something other than what it is, right? Um, I just, I just want to encourage you guys to attempt the idea that, you know, you can welcome it like a little bit of a friend. Um, and maybe it's not a friend that you particularly want to spend time with all the time, but you can make space for this friend, you know, for a little bit. You can make space. You can make space for it. Because if you can make space for it and you can acknowledge it, it will do so much less damage to you internally and emotionally Um, physically even we could argue with the way that our bodies physiologically respond to our emotions and our um, mental state but it will do so much less damage if it's acknowledged if those feelings are acknowledged they again they're like the little monster back in the book they're like creature being acknowledged and being you know cared for as a, a being and not not treated like something you know, that we wish were elsewhere all the time. Um, So hopefully this helps. Hope you guys are having an amazing week and I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much for joining me on the Resilient Joy podcast. Be sure to subscribe, share your favorite moment with your tribe on Instagram, tag me at myjoyfitjourney. And if you have a moment, leave me a brief review. Until next time, keep creating your pockets of joy every day.